I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know what I typed in recently? <laughs> oh, no, I won't say that, actually. <laughs> I was trying to find something to make Lucy laugh while we were sat in bed, and I just typed in cum nose. That was weird. <laughs> what is it, people coming in people's noses? No, it's people with so much cum in their mouth, it's come back out their nose. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> do you want me to come and see I've seen that, yeah. No, 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 no. Hello everybody, welcome to season two, welcome back to season two of the greatest podcast that has ever existed. How magical is that? Bold claim. It's not bold, it's true. Much like Michael, it's... Well, no, that didn't make sense. Anyway, I was trying to call Michael bold and it didn't work. Freestyle! <laughs> That's what we're about to of today's subject i haven't written anything down for this and that's definitely not because i spent the whole of my weekend getting punched in the head but before we get on to today's subject and we jump back into the greatest podcast that there ever has been and ever will be how the fuck have you two been very good a bit scared actually why are you scared a tiny bit terrified what and worried i need your help well, basically, a new trailer dropped for uh, Amazon Prime's The Ring of the Rings of Power yesterday, and um, the first trailer that came out made it look banging. Great music, exactly like, exactly, <laughs> exactly like Lord of the Rings. I thought this is gonna be great. That trailer was a few months ago, but this latest trailer it's got like some fucking techno R and B song on it and stuff, and it's all a bit. I shit. knew it was going to be shit. I'm going to say that. And now I'm worried. I knew it would be. I honestly knew it would be. Vinny, how was your weekend? That mountain of uh, sticky tissues is getting higher, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, weekend was pretty decent. Didn't really do much at all. I played Quake 3 for the first time since I was a child with my friends. Have you ever played that game? Yeah, I have. Did it hold up? It is a lot older looking than I remember it and the general UI and the general trying to even play with your friends was a lot worse than I remember but the gameplay still holds up to a T it's fantastic definitely the best shooter I played this year did you play on a wicked cool CRT no of course I didn't I played on my (laughs) normal gaming computer which is just my normal computer that's probably why it didn't hold up that is probably why it didn't hold up yeah you see like the fucking pixelated fucking 240p textures yeah yeah 
How have you been, Seb? I've been all right. There was something I was going to tell you about, wasn't there? And then you yeah. asked me about it. Getting on the plane thing. Now, I wanted to actually introduce this little segment. Is that okay. right? Yeah, yeah, you introduce away. You are tuning into and welcome to the latest episode of Mental Storytime with Seb. Go back and listen to previous episodes featuring stories like Car Doing Triple Backflip, The Great Cat Poisoning, and fan favourite in a... I got that. You got that. That wasn't a part of it. <laughs> On this week's instalment, please await the latest and greatest mental story from Seb. The best story is when he shit himself in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, you know. The great Vietnam shit come first. <laughs> of 82. Right. Well, it's not going to live up to the great Vietnam shit come first, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, as I put on the, did I put it, I put it on my Instagram, I think, I think that's how you guys saw it, but, so me and Lucy, my partner, went back to Belgium this weekend, as I talked about in The Greatest Fighter, me and Lucy lived in Belgium for a couple, for about six months, when we were there, we got to know Junior Bowens, who I talked about in The Greatest Fighter, and we were going back, obviously it was the big boxing match this weekend, Alexander Usyk versus Anthony Joshua which lived up to everyone's low expectations. <laughs> but other than that flop fest, we got to the airport, obviously. We flew over uh, because somehow that's cheaper than getting on a train. Worked that one out. But yeah, we flew over, landed in uh, Belgium, going through the security. I'm thinking, this is going to be fine. We've done this all before. Obviously, we've left the EU since we were last there, but whatever, whatever. We stood at the airport gate, and I just realised that Lucy's been chatting to the passport guy for, like, a long time. And she's, like, a bit ahead of me in the queue. And I'm like, fucking hell, she's been there for, like, five minutes now. And then I end up in the one next to her, and they're being really weird and, like, evasive and not quite telling us what's happened. Then they're like, right, you guys, um, you guys need to come back with us. And we're like, oh, fuck. Because they're, like, the police guys who do the, the passport check, and they're like, you need to come back with us. Oh, fuck. So then they take us into, like, what I would describe as, like, the nether zone. You're not in the bit pre-passport check, nor are you a bit in the bit after it. Yeah. You're, like, stuck in a passport check. They take you off into a side police station, like a whole police station hidden in an airport, where we're put in, like, the holding room, and we have to wait. And what it turns out is that we never officially left Belgium. So they effectively thought we'd been human trafficked. And they basically were like, what the fuck are you doing here? We thought you were dead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what do you mean? So, like, you never, like, signed out? You never, like, signed to say... We never signed out. Oh. Basically, one day, we just stopped paying council tax and completely disappeared off the face of the earth. And we got a big red... They called it, like, a red banner on our, like, passport information that we'd, like, gone missing. Now, I don't think, like, t- don't don't get upset. I don't think they, like, ever sent out some sort of search thing. I think it probably just flashed <laughs> up as, like, suspicious activity. More likely that we were part of human trafficking or, like, a, some sort of terrorist thing. That's what they thought was going on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. We, we then spent about an hour, maybe less than that, probably 20 minutes, actually, sat in the police station before they just decided that they couldn't be bothered to deal with the paperwork and just let us go. They literally went... It's not sorted, but there's nothing we can do here. And then that exact thing happened then on the way back. 
and they were like, right, you need to send an email to the uh, local council where you used to live and tell them you haven't been trafficked. So that's good vibes. <laughs> why, why should it be that complicated? Because surely it should just be like, sign in, sign out. They just clock your ticket. Like, bonk, right, yeah, you're not dead. You're not whatever. You're fine. I know, I know. But that's my me talking about myself, Don. Sweet. Should we get into this? Let's get into it. Hell yeah. So, before we crack on with things, I just thought I'd actually, rather than rather than tell people what's going to happen this week, rather than just say it, I would wrap it. Yo! Let's go, Seb! Let's fucking go! I've written... Now, I came up... (laughs) I came up with this plan on the way home. Oh, and also, I forgot to say, in honour of this being a rap thing, I'm going to do the whole thing in the voice of Charlie Sloth. Christ, okay. Who? Charlie Sloth, welcome, yeah? To the greatest show on earth, fire in the booth. Sexiest fat man on the planet, yeah? Yeah, I'm Charlie Sloth. Now, Vinny, throw me a beat. <laughs> Welcome to the show where <laughs> we bring <laughs> the most. This week, MC <laughs> by the greatest host. You might think I'm joking <laughs> and I don't want to gloat. But I fell asleep last night and I woke up the goat. If you don't believe me, just wait and see. Close your eyes and we'll set you free. Come on a journey with Mork, Vinny and me. This show's got big and it's only getting bigger. One day we'll rule the world if we don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sam. That was fucking great. I love that last line. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the middle verse about setting you free. I did too many lines in my in my haste. But anyway, don't worry. That was great. That was top tier, mate. That was good. Good bars. That poetry has long been a part of the human experience. We have used poetry as a way of memorizing oral history. For instance, things like the Iliad have been written in verse for millennia in order to remember them. And as time's moved on, so has poetry until you find us at the present day where there are two types of poets. There are street poets, a.k.a. crusty hippies with dreadlocks who shout at you on a street corner and pretend they're not homeless. And then there's gangsters like Tupac Shakur, who only needed a bit of raping. But which of those two is the best? Which of the modern-day poets is the best? Well, it's clearly rappers. And which rapper is best? Well, there's only two people who I could ask that question to, and they're both white as fuck. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. <laughs> so if there's one thing that white people know, it's how to explain black people's culture to them. And tell them they're wrong. So on that note, which of you would like to go first? I want to go first. Michael wants to go first. I'm going first because I feel like I don't go first very often. And I think that's my downfall, not picking Gandalf. You think that's your downfall, not the fact that you're markedly shit at doing (laughs) it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talking about that, I will start off by saying... Or actually, I will start off by 
alleviating some of your anxiety because I know there's been a bit of banter in the group chat this week about who I'm going to pick. Is it going to be Shakespeare? No. Weak flow. No. He's got no he's got no proper bars. So I haven't picked Shakespeare. I also haven't picked Mark Corrigan. Oh, why? For his incredible rap in Peep Show. He does a rap in Peep Show? Yeah, he does a rap in Peep Show. Does he? Yeah, did you not get my message in the group chat? I'll play it now. I never stone alone. I'm just high on pie. <sighs> what? Bad to worse. I'm speaking in verse, saying a rhyme ain't a crime. If, if I can say it to you, it must be true. Am I sort of rapping? So I haven't picked Mark Corrigan, and also I want to let Mark Payton know because he will be listening to this, and I'm going to let him down because I also haven't trolled the group by picking Eminem because he's not the greatest rapper of all time. Mark, I'm sorry. I know you're probably crying right now into your Eminem dishcloth or something, but no, he's not. Okay, I'm sorry. He's very good. He was great, and now he's shit. That's just a fact, all right? He's tarnished his legacy. Simple as. Can we not judge him on his peak? No, because you have to judge a whole book, not not by its cover or its first three chapters. If the ending's shit, it's still shit. So you saying that Usain Bolt is no longer the fastest... Like, he still ran that. Yeah, but they're different. That's what I'm saying. He was great at a time. There was a period of time where Eminem had the mantle of being the greatest rapper in the world, potentially. But right now... And if you look at him in longevity, there's more stinkers in that discography than bangers. He really should have hung up his boots a long time ago. And that's objective, and that is a sad thought. I know, I'm sad about that too, but let's be real, Seb. There are way more stinkers <laughs> in that album list. What, are you saying you didn't like Berserk? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the only jam I got is Toe Jam, is, is one of the lyrics. But um, <laughs> so I haven't picked any of them. But I have tried to go a little bit left field. Because that's just who I am. And I did find someone who is world-renowned as the greatest rapper in the galaxy. And it took a very long time for this legacy to be fully-fledged. Grandmaster Flash. No, but on the 7th of March 2022, his final form was revealed. And it is... This is a voiceover for context. Michael is currently scrambling around his recording studio slash garage, zipping up his jacket and donning the hat of alter oh, no. ego, MC Dilf. <laughs> no! No, you haven't. The Brentford oh, no. Basement Session that released on the 7th of March 2022. Crowned MC Dilf, the greatest MC in the galaxy. Is that really who you picked? <laughs> Unfortunately, MC Dilf, being the greatest MC in the galaxy, would also admit that although he is the greatest MC in the galaxy, he's not the greatest MC in the universe. That title goes to Lamont Coleman, otherwise known as Big L. Ooh. But I did just want to scare you with oh, my... God, how uh... many fucking hats have you got? <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got a few hats here at the moment. What's going but on? I... <laughs> I, did want to... I did want to scare you with my reveal that it may be potentially MC Dilf. But no, I, I am joking. I... That's been a whole... A big, a big prank. Because hip-hop and rap is dear to my heart. 
Football was my first love. Rap's probably my second love. Sorry, Jen. Uh, you're probably third. She's <laughs> <laughs> like eight on the list. <laughs> he has a child, this man, just to put huh? that into perspective. Is the child on the top ten? They're different. Yeah, because it's, it's, all, it's all different categories and stuff. Do you know what I mean? This is just like... Yeah, you love football and rap because you just really like it. The other stuff's like, you kind of have to love it, so... <laughs> well... Yeah. It's like a biological thing going on. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how it is. You'd be perceived as a, an arsehole if you don't. <laughs> so you yeah, exactly. have to get on with it. <laughs> but I wasn't joking when I said I was going a little bit left field because I don't want to sound like a pretentious hipster twat, but not everybody's heard of Big L. And I don't want to be super pretentious and protective of hip-hop, but that's why Eminem's not the greatest rapper of all time. But if you ask someone on the street who is, they're going to say Eminem or Snoop Dogg. They're a bit too mainstream. And not in a sense that mainstream can't be good. Of course it can be. But they have absolutely ruined their careers. With Snoop Lion and Berserk, as you rightly put it, Seb. Nah, I'd say Snoop's come back a little bit. He's come back a little bit. Snoop had one good album. I'm just going to say it. He had one good album. That was it. Yeah. But what I mean is, Big L is a rapper for real hip-hop, for real rap, and real down-on-the-streets MCs. Big L was the youngest of three children, and he grew up on the very mean streets of 139th and Lennox Avenue, Harlem, New York, which is otherwise known as the Danger Zone. And he started rapping and freestyling at the age of 12 because it was either rap, or get into gangs, drugs, violence, etc, etc. So, that's what he did. He got into poetry, and he actually graduated high school. He was the only kid of his parents to graduate high school. He was an academic, and poetry is what he put his absolute life into. He never touched the streets in that way or anything else. He only rapped about what he saw, not necessarily what he involved himself with, because rap really was the centre of his life. Now, in 1990... Big L met a fella called Lord Finesse, who at the time was pretty big in the hip-hop industry, working with guys like DJ Premier and Gangstar. And I nearly actually picked Gangstar or Guru from Gangstar, RIP, because he's a fucking... He's a sick MC. He's, he's, a, he's a proper G. Yeah, no bad albums as well, and his long tenure as a rapper. None. Absolutely none, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's got quite a lot. So he met Lord Finesse in a record shop at an autograph signing, and L asked for his number. He was like, look, I'm an upcoming MC. Can I have your number? You know what? We can do some shit. And Lord Finesse is like, nah, <laughs> you're not the first kid to come and ask me for my number, mate. So L was like, yeah, 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 but I'll freestyle you right now. And like, if you like it, like, you know, I can get your number. So he freestyled there and then in the, in the record shop. And it was actually Finesse who asked for Big L's number as he was so impressed by the young MC's skills on the mic. So fast forward a couple of years to 1992, Big L entered the Nubian Productions Freestyle Competition. I don't know if there's any relation to Brand Nubian, either Vinny, who you all know, and maybe Seb might know Brand Nubian, but I, I couldn't find it. Google wouldn't help me. Maybe too much of a coincidence to do, I don't know. But he entered into this freestyle competition with 2,000 amateur rappers, and of course he won, because he's fucking sick at rapping. He's a sick freestyle MC. And after being noticed for this feat and doing a few demos, he was then signed to Columbia Records, basically off the back of no independent albums, no mixtapes, nothing like that. A couple of demos, win a freestyle competition. He had such big weight 
with guys like Lord Finesse. They said, let's sign him to Columbia. And he joined up with Lord Finesse's crew, the DITC, which is, this name is fucking sick. This is so old school 90s hip hop. The Digging in the Crates crew. Digging in the Crates. Digging in the Crates crew. What? Digging in the, what, what crates? What? The Digging in the Crates crew. I don't know. It's just what it's called. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really get what that's supposed to mean. I don't, understand, I don't even understand what it means. No, yeah. I don't either, but, you know, it's their thing, man. It's the Digging in the Crates crew. All right, shut up. Hang on, is it the Digging and, or is it Digging in the Crates crew? Digging in the Crates crew. Is it like stealing people's shit? Like, crates? Digging in the Crates crew. <laughs> you can't stop saying it. That's all I know. It's the <laughs> Digging in the Crates crew. <laughs> If I said to you, what well, Wu-Tang Clown, what does that mean? If you didn't know, that's you like, wouldn't know, that's would you? That's from like the old Shaolin Wu-Tang films they used to watch. No, but if you didn't yeah, know, you'd right. be like, well, what's that? It's just Digging in the Crates crew. Fat Joe was also a member of the Digging in the Crates crew, um, and he was a very good friend of uh, Lamont, or L. So the next year, he signed to a record label. He finally releases a single under the new label, Columbia, called Devil's Son. And this was a fucking banger. And not only was it a banger, it also pioneered a very niche subgenre of hip-hop called horrorcore and is widely regarded as one of the very first and definitely most popular horrorcore songs of all time. Now, if you don't know what horrorcore is, it's quite self-explanatory. It's dark, dirty, horrible lyrics inspired from, like, horror films and that sort of genre. A lot of death and stabbing and stuff like that. It's quite brutal and nasty. It's like the insane clown posse, don't they do horrorcore? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So Big L said it's not his favourite style of rap, but he was inspired to do it because he loved horror films, and he said he's seen some bad shit on the streets. So fair enough. Now, Devil's Son is a banger. It was actually banned from radio play. The intro goes like this. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. I'm waving automatic guns at nuns. You can see what it, where he's coming from and why it was banned from radio. But I wouldn't give a shit, really. It's his poetry, it's his lyrics, and it gave him more acclaim. It got him more props, it got him more recognition as just a pure lyricist, like a pure poet. Like, the way he was smithing these words together and making words rhyme that don't really rhyme, like shovel and devil, they don't really rhyme, but said in the way that he was saying them, they do. And talking about Eminem, it's something that he does quite a lot. And he's heavily inspired from rappers like Big L and Nas at the time. Talking about Nas, L's next venture into recognition was he performed at a show for Lord Finesse's birthday bash at a club which also featured performances from Nas. And Nas was later quoted, this was before Illmatic came out, so it's early on in Nas's career, this is 1992 or 3, so it's a year before Illmatic comes out, no one's heard of Nas that much other than the barbecue thing like you said. Nas has been quoted to say later on that he was scared to death of Big L. When I heard on that tape I was scared to death. I said yo there's no way I can compete with this if this is what I gotta compete with. 
I've seen that interview. And that's coming from Nas, widely heralded as the greatest rapper of all time, potentially. He was scared to death of Big L. L hasn't even released an album at this point. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And finally, in 1995, the greatest year of human history because it's the year I was born, Big L released his debut album, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. It's spelled like the most 90s like gangster rap way ever. It's like lifestyles yeah. with like a Z of like O-V, da, poor and dangerous. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like weirdly obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, it's lifestyles of da, poor and dangerous, which is why I didn't say yeah. da, poor and dangerous. Like you have to, you know, da. you have to pay homage to it. <laughs> and at the time it was successful, but not a major, major hit. We're not talking like number one. All right. But in the underground community and where real hip-hop lied, it may as well have been. It was an absolute fucking smash. And everybody, everybody knew who Big L was now. Songs like Put It On and MVP, certified bangers. MVP, most valuable poet on the MIC, couldn't be a truer word spoken about Big L. They're still held up with the best hip-hop tracks of all time now. And actually... To use a phrase of Seb's, a peep behind the curtain. Put it on featured on an album by Ministry of Sound called Ministry of Sound Hip Hop Compilation. And that album is one of the main reasons why me and V-Dog, DJ V-Dog, Vincent Middlemost, you know him as many names, really got into proper hip hop. We would bang that album all day, constantly, constantly playing it. All random rappers that we never heard of and then 
we'd listen to a song like put it on oh big l who's this guy oh go, go and listen to all of his music it was we were obsessed for quite a long time with this at the time lifestyles wasn't necessarily the biggest commercial success but features another up-and-coming rapper from new york who many people hadn't heard of at the time but big l thought i'll give this kid a chance i'll give him a platform and his name was jay-z yeah wasn't that the first song he appeared on like ever yes yeah, one of the first songs he ever appeared on because l was yeah. like yeah you got talent you know you seem okay you know you can you can spit on my song if you want and this is l's first album he had that much weight already he was bringing other rappers through if you listen to the song like l is by far far away the better mc than jay-z like jay-z's verse actually is pretty whack i mean i know he's just starting out but he's heralded as like a king it's the weakest verse on the entire album jay-z's verse on that song so jay-z and big l their relationship didn't stop there they actually worked together quite a lot in the coming years after that and they featured on a very famous now seven minute freestyle on a radio show called the stretch and bobito show where they did a seven minute freestyle and jay-z was okay but l fucking murdered him and I put murder with an A-S. He murders him. Like, absolutely kills him. He outshines Jane every single way. He's a lyrical genius with a flow to match. And to get on to L and freestyle him, because that's sometimes what he's best known for, his ability is unparalleled. It's unrivaled. You know, if you've watched 8 Mile, it's like kindergarten compared to Big L. And freestyle often gets a bit misconstrued with rap fans. They think that a freestyle has to be completely made up right there and then on the spot, which is not necessarily true. Most freestyles consist of pre-written bars, but not necessarily an entire song that they've written in their head. They might use snippets of little bars and little bits that they've got written down in books and stuff that they've not used on records and such like that. And the skill is to think of how to match those little segments together on the spot to the beat that they're being presented with. And that's really where the freestyle comes from. It's not necessarily, sometimes it is, but it's not necessarily just thinking up an entire seven minute freestyle off the cuff, off the top of your head. It's like improv jazz. It's like, it's not all completely 100% made up on the spot. It's licks and phrases and things you've practiced and done before, but just kind of morphing that into that, into that. Like, oh, but maybe if I add that in, maybe add that in. Yeah, it's using pre-existing knowledge yeah i was thinking like, i had this little bar i was going to use oh i'll just spit that there if it's good and then roll into the next one just randomly and that's where the skill of a freestyle comes in so people often say oh yeah but you wrote it down yeah that's the point all right so stop fucking slagging off freestyle artists because they're not oh if it be an eight barley does it shut up <laughs> you tell them <laughs> it's really annoying it really annoys me when people do that they, like, slag off these re- MCs, like, oh, they, they, it's not freestyle, mate. They wrote it down. Yeah, no shit. If you want to listen to Big Al's freestyle, just just put into YouTube or Google. Big Al, freestyle. What's that line about Beavis Butthead? That, that line is fantastic. I'll, I'll get it up. So, yeah, get one of his up, most yeah. famous freestyles, I think, is the 98 freestyle. Oh, yeah. It's, I listen to that all the time. I listen to it the other day in the car, actually. It's such a great freestyle. There's so many great lines on this. The whole verse is just nothing but great lines. Oh, oh, the first little bit of bars is, uh, Yo, fuck all the glamours and glitz. I plan to get rich. I'm from New York and never was a fan of the Knicks. Because I'm all about expanding my chips. You mad because I was in the van with your bitch with both hands on her tits? 
Which is great, but the Beavis and Butthead bit. Where's, where's the Beavis and Butthead bit? It's like at the end, I think, or near the end. Oh, here we go, yeah. Turn your tux red, I'm far from broke, got enough bread, and mad hoes, axe Beavis, I get nothing but head. It's a great line. Oh. It's a great line. It's so good. One-two punch. Yeah, that's the big L98 freestyle. Go and listen to it. You'll be blown away. It's unmatched. But moving on, L was then dropped in 1996 by his record label because, like most artists, they just had different visions. Columbia didn't like the raps he was doing, the lyrics that he was doing. L said, well, fuck you, I'm off. So what he did was he began working on his own independent record label called Flamboyant Records, which was very early to start. And he started working on his next big project, his next album called The Big Picture. He was also in talks to be signed to Rockefeller Records at the same time, under the label Flamboyant as well, alongside Jay-Z, who would famously go on to like own and be the mainstay of Rockefeller Records. They were going to be in a group together, actually, which is quite hilarious. But unfortunately, that never happened, because this is where the story of Big L finishes. L was driving on 139th in Harlem and at around 8.30pm on the 15th of February 1999, L was fatally shot nine times in the chest and head in a drive-by shooting. Now, the biggest tragedy of this shooting is that the true reason why it's happened is still unsolved. The murder investigation is still completely unsolved. They don't really know why this happened. I thought it was because the people who killed him thought Big L was his older brother who was affiliated with gangs. Yeah, so what happened was, so his childhood friend was arrested on suspicion of murder at the beginning of the investigation, and he was released without charge due to insufficient evidence. Now, there's a long-standing theory that, well, it's very well known that L's brother was into some bad shit, and he'd been in prison, and apparently L's brother had put a hit out on a couple of guys from the hood, and L was seen with one of the people who apparently was going to conduct this hit. So the people who were the targets of the hit thought that L was in cahoots with his brother and with the assassin to do all of this. Because L's brother was in prison at the time, they just went after L thinking he had orchestrated this hit or whatever. That's the apparently explanation, and that's why he was shot. But really, nobody knows, because this guy was released without charge, and he was actually shot dead not that long ago, a few years back. Wow. So there's some very bad dodgy shit going on there. And that was it for Big Al. He died at the age of 25. But his legacy had really only just begun. Because in the very, very short career, Big Al, one album, that's it. His words, his style, his lyrics, his poetry and his flow left an enormous impression. And he's been tributed and honoured by the best rappers again and again and again and again, crediting him with inspiring them, crediting him with being the greatest lyricist to have ever lived, crediting him with being the best rapper to have ever lived. Eminem and even Gangstar are just but a few to have paid tribute to Big L actually on records and in songs because of his legendary status in such a short period of time. The big picture the album was working at the time was eventually released after his death, which is called a what, Vinny? Because I can't pronounce it. Posthumous. Posthumous. One of Posthumous. you at a time? <laughs> Pos- posthumous. Posthumous. Pos. 
Posthumous. Posthumous. Yep. Posthumous album. And it was certified gold. It's an absolutely banging album. And the track Ebonics is an absolute standout. In the song, he is basically... It's a song, I've never heard any other song ever done like this before, but he's basically explaining what Ebonics are, which is like the word on the street, They're like the slang words that they use. So he says like, this means this, this means this, this means this. All rhyming, all in flow, to perfection. I don't know how the hell he managed to do it. I'll play a little bit now. Why don't you just rap it? Why don't I rap it? Yeah, I care coke is a pie when I'm lifted I'm high. New clothes on, on fly. fly. Cars is whips and sneakers, sneakers is kicks. Is kicks. Honeys is chicks. Also, cribs is home. Jacks is payphones. Cocaine is nose candy. Cigarettes is bones. Ah. Oh. Yeah, there we go. A radio is a box. A razor blade is a ox. Fat diamonds are rocks. And Javers is cops. <laughs> Nice. And if you got robbed, you got stuck, you got shot, you got bucked. And if you got double crossed, you got fucked. Your bank roll is your poke, a choke hold is a yoke, a kite is a note, a con is a okie doke. And if you got punched, that means you got snuff. So clean is to buff, a bull scare is a strong stuff. I know you like the way I'm freaking it. I talk with slang and I'ma never stop speaking it. But it's it's incredible. It's it's like honestly, it's a song you've never heard before. It's absolutely like I don't know how the fuck he done it. it. It's ridiculous. It just shows the the pure lyricism of the guy. But in conclusion, L wasn't here for very long, unfortunately. But the legacy of poetry that he left for hip hop fans to enjoy forever. Every single song that you hear of Big Out, every single one is a fucking banger. Not just every album he's ever released, every single song I've ever heard Big L on, his lyrics are pure perfection. The lyricism is genuinely, it's one of a kind, he's got a unique voice, it's incredible. The flow, the style, the talents of Eminem are completely inspired by it and you can hear it in their songs. So if you're a mainstream hip-hop fan and you, you generally, all you do is you listen to, I don't know, Eminem and... I don't know who's ma- who's big in the mainstream now. Fucking Tyler the Creator, Astro World, people like that. Any anything? If- Astro Astro World's an album. <laughs> or who made it? Travis Travis Scott. Travis Scott. Travis Scott. Anybody? If 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 you li- if you've ever even just liked one rap song in your life, listen to Big Out, and I promise, I promise you won't be disappointed. He's a rapper that will live on forever and ever and ever. I, I literally, I can't even do it justice. I could not do it justice. In my opinion, the legacy that Big L left in that short space of time and the skill that he showed shows so much more weight than nine studio albums, half of them being completely shit. Like, making a very small impact is way greater than having a huge, long-standing career. And all the best rappers in the world hold L in the highest regard. Skill recognizes skill and ill recognizes ill. And to use a phrase that I heard not that long ago, it is the brightest flames which burn the quickest. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, don't turn it off on me. You can't you can't be proud of that. That's my line. Don't no, stop pretending <laughs> stop swishing dunk. that. Stop swishing that. <laughs> stop. Stop the swish. It's not a forty yard tapping, mate. Kerplunk. What I would argue with Big Al is I like Big Al a lot. Music's incredible. Very ahead of its time. However, well, not ahead of its time. It was just at the forefront of its time. I think sometimes think people, when they say ahead of its time, that it's just the first of its kind, I guess. But what I would say is it's easy 
to be considered a legend when you die at the peak of your career. And I do believe, I don't wish death upon anyone, obviously, but if Eminem had died in 2008, we would be talking about him, about how he changed the world. But the thing is with L is he didn't die at his peak. He literally just started the race. Like, his peak could have been anywhere. The man could have gone on to be... He could have gone on to do 10 studio albums, every single one of them being a pure banger. That's the that's the real tragedy of it. Like, whether that... whether Regardless of the goatness, like, he was literally just getting started. That was fantastic. Thank you very much, Michael. Aren't you glad I didn't pick MC Dilf? I'm so glad. <laughs> I thought that was a genuinely well-informed and well-thought-out argument. Unfortunately, I do have to now ruin all of that hard work and effort. Sweet. Of creating this kind of... What's the word? This kind of educated or authoritative vibe we've now created by bringing back friend of the show, Charlie Sloth, for our middle section. You are going to have to join in a game, which I've called... Finish the sentence! So yeah, welcome to the newest of our middle section games. So... This game is called Finish the Sentence. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a rapper who has been sentenced for a crime. And I'm going to test your knowledge of hip-hop. I'm going to give you what they were sentenced to, as in like the prison time or the probation. I'm going to test your knowledge of hip-hop culture, of rap culture. I'm going to ask you if you know what the crime was. Do you understand? Go for it. Okay. So, Vinny, this is your turn. Okay, okay. You're first in the hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one of the most significant people in hip-hop and rap history is Tupac Shakur, known for his deep, meaningful lyrics and political insight. He did serve eight months in prison, yeah? (laughs) What was it for, Vinny? Isn't it for raping that girl? He did, yeah. That's the yeah sexual abuse charges. I tell you what, I used to love Tupac, like as a person as well as like a rapper and a musician. And then like I found out that he raped someone, and then I got into it. I like I read like articles and watched like an interview of the woman. I was like, damn, he actually did rape someone. That's really gutting to find out. One point to me. Let's go. One point to Michael. No, one point to Vinny. Sorry. Now up next, Michael. Yes. Are you ready for the hot seat? Yep. (laughs) Okay. Already mentioned in this week's episode, Mr. JZ. Now, he served... uh, (laughs) He served... (laughs) He served... Stop it. He... What's his real name? Sure, that's it right. Go back, go back. Rewind, rewind. (laughs) (laughs) Mentioned earlier, Mr. Sean Carter, a.k.a. J to the Z. He served three years probation. But Michael, what dirty deed did he do? Did he assault somebody? Is it assault and battery? I'm going to need you to be more specific than that. What, more specific than assault and battery? Now he did like a very specific thing to someone. <laughs> he punched them in the face, I don't know. Nah, you're wrong, mate. <laughs> well, of course I'm wrong. 
<laughs> no, but like, it's quite obvious when I say it. He stabbed record producer Lance Riviera. Holy fuck. I did know that. Fuck. Exactly. Bro. So if you'd said stab someone, I would have given but you that a that is assault on battery or ABH. Jeez, he stabbed someone? Yeah. Jesus. In 2001. So like, he was already quite famous as well. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, Vinny, back to you. <laughs> Everyone's favorite SoundCloud rapper and tattoo aficionado, and tattoo aficionado, XXX Tantacion. He served house arrest, famously, in which he wrote his one and only fantastical album, which is just a question mark. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's just called like. I think people just call it question mark. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I forgot to do this bit as well. <laughs> anyway, why um, why was he under house arrest, Vinny? What oh, did God. he do? Yeah, again, you're going to have to be very specific. Is this... Did he, like, beat his heavily pregnant girlfriend or something? Is that what he did? Was she pregnant? I don't know if she was pregnant. I'm going to give you half a point for the pregnancy bit. It was a sole battery of a pregnant woman. He broke into her house and beat her up so he could steal her jewelry. Oh, it wasn't. Oh, I thought it was his girlfriend he did that to. N- nope. Ah. What a dickhead. Yeah. Shit, dude. Anyway, I'm Charlie Sloth. Can't believe we got Charlie Sloth in the booth right now. I this know. Is ridiculous. I know. Like, how, much, how much money do we have to pay this man? Mate, trust. I know. It's unbelievable. Now, Michael, <laughs> if you get this, we'll go to sudden death. <laughs> right Curtis Jackson aka 50 Cent he went to prison we all know it he went to prison for six months where he earned his GED I don't know what that means it's an American thing give me a sec <laughs> general educational development it's like your it's like your GCSEs it's like the bare minimum yeah I didn't even get one GCSE. The only GCSI, GCSE I got was for being a fucking legend, mate. <laughs> and for air horn. <laughs> but why did he go to prison? Michael. Now, I've seen the film a few times yeah, as well. Yeah, I've seen the film, yeah. But why did he go to prison? I think I know why. I think he was... I think... Was it Rivet? No, it was before that. Did he shoot someone? Was he involved in the shooting of someone? Is that your final answer, Michael Davy, a.k.a. MC Doof? I'm sure he shot someone. Or it was for beating up his stepdad, who had like previously beaten up his mum. One of those two. I'm going to have to submit two answers, because I'm not sure. It was neither of those, you fucking idiot. Fuck. <laughs> it was a bank robbery. No, on June 29th, 1994, <laughs> he was arrested for selling four vials of cocaine to an undercover police officer. <sighs> Uh-uh. He was then arrested three weeks later, and when police searched his house, they found heroin, ten ounces of crack, and a starting pistol. Anyway, look, mate, gotta go and do a shit Apple Music thing that literally has been going for ten years and still no one listens to it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. See you later, mate. I'm the greatest fat man. Yeah, sexiest fat man, I think it is. S- see you later. Oh, God. Sorry, I just went for a piss. Has everything been all right? Well, yeah, not really, mate. <laughs> yeah, some, what happened? Some arsehole came in and started trying to interrogate us on uh, <laughs> these rappers who are paedophiles or something. Yeah, I <laughs> You know. missed it. You would have oh, loved God. it. That's my favourite thing, rappers and paedophiles. He was making us guess higher or lower their ages in that. <laughs> oh, it wasn't It wasn't, It wasn't. wasn't paedophile higher or lower. It was. Again. Was it? <laughs> again. Oh, no. So we're not going to use any of that. But, anyway. Yeah. yeah, so... um. 
after that, yeah, Vinny, on that note, I think you're up next, aren't you? I believe I am up next, yes. Daniel Dumoulin was born in London, England, in the summer of 1971. He moved to Long Island, New York at a young age and began his career in the music industry in 1988, performing with his brother in a rap group called KMD, which stands for causing, with a K obviously, much damage. you got to do it like how I did the... Cause of much damage. Digging in the crates. Cause of much damage. (laughs) (laughs) Stage name was Zev Love X. Now, KMD began emerging on the hip-hop scene as a group to look out for. And in 1991, they released their debut album, Mr. Hood. Their style of music was most akin to jazz rap groups at the time, like Brand Nubian or A Tribe Called Quest, with mostly positive lyrics over funky beats to boot. Things were looking up for the group, but on the 23rd of April 1993, just before the release of their second album, Black Bastards, Dumoulin's brother was struck by a car and died. KMD had to scrap their original release date for the album, and after this tragedy, Dumoulin spent the next few months working on the album by himself, and their next release date was set for the 3rd of May 1994. But the record company refused to release the album due to the album cover depicting a very racist and very politically charged image attached to it. And I think he was like, no, I want that as the album cover. So basically, they they refused to release the album and they dropped KMD from their record company. And after all of this bad luck, Dumoulin retreated from the rap scene and became homeless, wandering around the streets of Manhattan and sleeping on park benches. Unbeknownst to him, however, Black Bastards was bootlegged and released on the internet for free, and it became a cult hit almost overnight. Dumoulin caught wind of this in 1997. He decided to start up his rap career again, performing incognito freestyles at open mic events whilst wearing tights over his head to obscure his face. And although Dumoulin was back, Zev Love X wasn't. All the tragedy and mistreatment from the music industry had changed the rapper. He wasn't about positive vibes anymore. He had sworn revenge, quote, against the industry that so badly deformed him, end quote. He had become the villain. He had become MF Doom. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Just in case you're wondering, the MF stands for metal face when he's rapping and then metal fingers when he's producing. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, yeah. And instead of tights, Doom used a silver mask from the movie Gladiator to hide his face from the public. This was an homage to the Marvel Comics supervillain Doctor Doom, in which he based his alter ego on. With his new identity, he started work on the album Operation Doomsday. Now, Operation Doomsday was a smashing success for the underground hip-hop audiences. The album was woven around samples from old superhero cartoons in a way that painted a story about a supervillain named Doom trying to take over the world. The style of using old TV and movie clips to make a story was brand new at the time and became a staple of more alternative hip-hop artists in years to come. Whilst the old-school Marvel-esque story took place within the short interludes around the album and within the beats of the songs as well, Doom himself would also rap in his evil alter ego about things like plotting world domination and chasing Peter Parker around, whilst also rapping about being an old dude who likes wearing a Cosby-esque sweater and like drinking beers on the weekends. His rap style was also different. Due to his problems with the hip-hop industry and just generally preferring older music, Doom never, 
ever listened to hip-hop at all. This made his rapping style extremely unique, as it was developed almost entirely in isolation to the surrounding trends around him. Doom would often forego unnecessary things like proper grammar in his lyrics, so that he could focus on rhyming as many words in his sentences as possible, as well as keeping his float as tight as possible. What resulted from this unique style was some of the best rap verses I've ever heard, with lines which have multiple rhymes within each line, and sentences which only make sense if you read them a couple times over due to their complexity. And I've got a fuck ton of examples. So the first one's just an example of his really clever rhyming patterns. So I'll just read out first, and then I'll go... I've, I've literally colour-coded it, so, like, this word rhymes with this word, and that word rhymes with that word, so it's easy to, like, sort of see. But, so, the line is... The rest is empty with no brain but the clever nerd. The best MC with no chain you ever heard. So if I just break that down, it's the rest is empty with no brain but the clever nerd. The best MC with no chain you ever heard. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six rhymes just in those two lines alone. So that's just an example, but... He does it all the fucking time. We should screenshot that and put it on the Insta with the color coding. There's literally a whole, there's like YouTube videos done where they just take like an entire song of his and then just have like the lyrics going up and they just show like in highlights, like all the rhyming that he's done. Like Notorious B.I.G. was like renowned for doing that as well. And it was like insane for the time because no one had ever heard such complex rhyming before. Another line, which is funny, is, and I might be really bad at pronouncing this, but... One for the money, two for the better green, three for methyl di... Fuck. Three for methylene dioxymethamphetamine, which <laughs> is, the chemi- is the chemical name for ecstasy or MDMA. <laughs> but I thought it was just a funny line. <laughs> There's also one where... Oh, fuck. I also can't pronounce this, but he rhymed a, a Icelandic volcano. So catch a throat full from the fire vocal, ash and molten glass like Ayen Hlavolol or something like that. <laughs> the song Accordion he did with uh, Mad Lib. Like the, it, that whole, the whole verse on that is just ridiculous, but I'll just take a little segment from it. Is he still a fly guy clapping if nobody ain't hear it? And can they testify from the inner spirit? And living the true gods, giving y'all nothing like the lick from two broads. Got more lyrics than a church, got ooh lords. And you hold the mic and your attention like two swords. Either that, either one with two blades on it. Hey you, don't touch the mic like there's AIDS on it. It's like it ends to the means. Fuck type of message that sends to the fiends. That's why he bring his own needles. He gets more cheese than Doritos, <laughs> Cheetos or Friedels. Slip like Freudian, you're first to last step, you play yourself like an accordion. Sorry, it's just such a good song. Fire. And there's this other thing he does where he builds up to saying a certain word, but then just leaves it blank or changes the word at the last second for comedic effect. Oh, like I did at the start of the show. You are? I did that yeah. at the start of the show. Yeah, you're a rap I'm genius. I'm as good as MF Doom. Shit, man. Yeah. But here's a couple of examples of MF doing it. So, last wish, I wish I had two more wishes, and I wish they fixed the door to the Matrix, there's mag glitches, spit so many verses, sometimes my jaw twitches, one thing this party could use is more... Booze. Put yourself in your own shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And another one is, yup, you know it, growing up too fast, showing up to class with Moet in a flask. He asked the teacher if he leave, will he pass? His girl is home alone and he's trying to get the... 
after Showing Operation up the what? Ass. After the, Operation the Doomsday, the boss. <laughs> <laughs> after Operation Doomsday, he went on to make quite a few more albums, some solo under his own name, MF Doom. But whenever he worked with another producer or rapper, he'd use a different alias, such as. And this honestly makes it, it made it so hard to like be a fan of this dude, just because it's all different artists on Spotify, and it's really fucking annoying to find some of the shit. But some of the examples are King Ghidra, when he worked with a group of Godzilla-inspired rappers, yes, Michael, called Monster Whoa. Island Sars. Another one is Victor Von, where he raps as a younger, more braggadocious alter ego. Danger Doom, when he worked with Adult Swim to make a sort of Danger Mouse crossover album. And his most popular and influential alias, Mad Villain, which is when he worked with then-upcoming producer Madlib. The Mad Villain album, known as Mad Villainy, is perhaps his best work, and many cite it as one of, if not, the greatest album in the genre of alternative or underground hip-hop. Fun fact, Doom and Madlib remained friends for years after the project, but would only communicate via a yearly emailing session. Which is quite... That's really fun. Well, that's quite weird. Doom is a very pers- like private person, so like he's not he's yeah. never on social media platforms when he I know stuff. I get that, but do you think do you think that there's a part of Doom where he's he's one of those people who is just like he's he is just weird. Like he, he just can't help himself but be a bit odd sometimes. I think he's just an old man who doesn't who doesn't like the spotlight, so he stays away from that as much as possible like there's there's like mm. two photo, two blurry photos on the internet of him without his mask on like he's very like private like that or he was rather because i what i mean is it would be easy for him just to not be private wouldn't it that's probably the easier option it's probably harder to maintain this like oh yeah probably persona so he You've, and you've got to be a bit odd to keep that going, probably, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Sure. But no disrespect, yeah. I think, yeah, just... He didn't like the hip-hop community. He didn't like the idea of being, like, a big rapper. And so he just hid his whole identity. He was a very, very private man. I still don't think we know... Because he died in 2020. I still don't think anyone knows how he died. Like, I don't think it's ever been released. I think his, his like, wife came out and just said, like, yeah, Doom's dead, by the way. He died due to health problems, and that was it. Yeah, literally, yeah, because I remember us talking about it. We were like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doom's unique world he created with each album, his buttery, smooth flow and rhyming style, his bizarrely hilarious taste and humour, and the fact that he never seemed to take himself at all seriously, which is incredibly refreshing in a genre full of fake wannabe gangsters. True. All culminated in him receiving the title, Your Favourite Rapper's Favourite Rapper. It's been well documented that a lot of rap legends absolutely love Doom. There's a video on YouTube which is a montage of famed rapper and producer Most Def relaxing with friends and just spitting all his favourite Doom verses to them with a massive grin on his face the entire time. There's another YouTube video where popular rappers Earl Sweatshirt and Tyler the Creator from Wolfgang, I think the name is the, of the group is, go and see Doom perform live and even get a chance to greet him before the show. And even though they were at this point in time mega famous, they look like a couple of nervous super fans and just keep looking at the camera in amazement that they're really in the same room as Doom. It's like really, really funny and like weirdly endearing. 
because they were like re- this was like when they were like really taking off it's like the next thing in like the next things in rap as well so it's just crazy how like they just became like little kids in that like little in that starstruck video. kids super starstruck yeah now getting on the topic of doom's live performances there's been a point of contention amongst fans with his live performances as there have been quite a few cases where he would send out a body double of himself wearing his iconic metal face mask and then that body double would lip sync his music <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> right that can't be goat rapper if you if he's no, 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 there no. doing it <laughs> no, no 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 to call doom out on this is to misunderstand exactly who doom is he had a tragic backstory involving the death of his brother and was completely snided by the hip-hop industry in which he still performed in. MF Doom is a villain. He's never presented himself to be anything other than a villain, so to be annoyed that he would barely actually perform live in itself is hypocritical. I suppose that's true. That's the thing, yeah. He, he... It would be annoying, though, wouldn't it, if you paid the money? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for certain, but like... He's a villain, I guess. You're getting into his... If you're buying his ticket, you... Well, if you're either an unsuspecting victim or you know you're being victimised. But then it's a bit like when you go and see Kanye. Do you want to see Kanye perform the set of a lifetime or do you want him to just go on a massive rant and do something weird? It's like 50-50, isn't it? Because they're both <laughs> equally the Kanye experience. Yeah. Kanye could perform probably one of the best live shows that's ever been created. Or he could just go mental. And either one, you can't walk out and be like, well, I didn't see Kanye today. Yeah, true. But you can walk out of MF Doom's show and say you never saw him. (laughs) (laughs) That is true, actually. The man stayed as the villain his entire life up until his death in 2020. I think the dedication to the act, while still remaining as a figurehead in the underground rap scene his entire career, whilst never dropping a bad album. I mean, he dropped, like, three albums, solo albums, and then, like, there was, like, probably six or seven, like, collab, like, project albums he did, and every single one of them are great albums. There is no bad album in that discography, which is is crazy, because rap generally is, like, there's, they make one really good album, then the rest are a bit okay. That tends to be the case for a lot of rap, especially 90s rap. The man mostly kept his raps out of the mainstream limelight by remaining true to himself and the characters he invented based off of his favourite Marvel supervillains. And as many beloved rappers have said, hip-hop should have never left the underground. I feel like there's a theme between mine and yours presentations here, Michael. Agree. And Doom kept that dying spirit of hip-hop with him to his grave. So, I have thought carefully about both of your answers and i think there's a lot to be said for both of them i really like big l big l is definitely one of the people i bring up when i want to sound intellectual if people say who's your favorite rapper and you say big l and they say who and then you say oh my god you've never heard of big l and then you go on a big thing about it you sound well intelligent he also incredibly talented ebonics cracking cracking song but but I do think there's something to be said about consistency and longevity. And I'm not saying that it's his fault, but I'm saying he didn't get long enough to stretch his legs. And it's hard to say someone's the greatest when they didn't have that much time to show their consistency. 
MF Doom, on the other hand, I would say unique in the sense that his rap is so unconventional compared to everyone else's. Also, big Marvel fan, and I love all his Marvel shit. I think he's a very intelligent rapper, and I think that he raps in a way that, again, brings a sort of intellectual intellectualness, intellectuality. He brings a level of <laughs> scholarly vibes to what is effectively chatting about bitches and chains. And I think that that is very cool. And I really like MF Doom. And he's definitely something that you could put on if you had a galley round. And you were like, hey, let me put some cool shit on that's going to blow your mind. Listen to MF Doom. But now I've got to make a decision. Who do I think is the greatest rapper of all time? I think that purely based on technical ability alone, the greatest rapper of all time is Big L. And I don't want to detract away from MF Doom. I think MF Doom as a holistic package, as an artist, is untouchable. But I think about where someone was and the time that they existed in and when they were rapping and how they were rapping. And I think in that sense, Big L will always be this like bright flash of like, this is as high as you can get. This is the height that is possible to reach. And he didn't do it for very long. But I go back to my what we were saying earlier about Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt only ran 9.58 once. But he's still the greatest sprinter of all time. And I think Big L, I think MF Doom, way more consistent, probably way more culturally significant. But I think Big L hit that sub 10, 9.58 once or twice. And I think he showed what level rap can be. I'm surprised. I thought you were going to go with Doom, to be honest. And I wouldn't have actually been that disappointed because Doom is a legend. I'm very disappointed. But yeah, that's my pick for the greatest rapper of all time. You you're, you are entitled to your opinion. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> really thinks you're grossly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't saying shit. You're entitled to your opinion. I think that I would have felt wrong whichever one I'd picked. And I think that's a sign of how it's a really good episode. Yeah. Because I think if I'd picked MF Doom, I would have been like, oh, I think Big Al probably could have snatched it. And now in the back of my head, I'm thinking, yeah, but MF Doom does have some fucking He's a thing, right? And I love his whole shtick. What you should like weigh up is who would win in a rap battle? Big L. Like, let's say they're both alive. They're both there. Big L. Or MF well, Doom's body double. Big L was a <laughs> Big L was a rap battler. <laughs> well, handful BRS in a mask, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, on that note, please go and become a Patreon. We've only got four. We want to get to ten so we can be rich and famous and buy nice cars. Please give us I money. like money. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> See you next week. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. I'm in love with you, goodbye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.